Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downing. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. I hope you had a nice weekend and got to enjoy some of that sunshine. It's finally feeling like summertime here in Southern California, and this will be my first full summer here in SoCal. I'm really excited, and it's kind of weird that I'm saying this, and it's only April, so... That's certainly something new for me, as in the Midwest right now, it does not feel like summertime. So I'm definitely enjoying this and taking advantage of it. Now, the Ducks only have five games remaining in their regular season schedule, and four of those are at home, so plenty of opportunity to come catch a game at Honda Center if you can. Now, one of those is this Wednesday when the team hosts the Edmonton Oilers. If you can't come out to Honda Center, you can watch the game on TNT. It will be a nationally broadcast game. Or, of course, you can listen to it right here on DuckStream. But then looking back to the weekend, despite all the sunshine, it was not sunshine for the Ducks, I will say, as they fell 6-0 to the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday and then a closer loss on Sunday, 5-4 to four, to the Calgary Flames. The Ducks have not won a game since March 17th. This has been a really tough stretch for the team. They've lost their last eight straight, and that completed their three-game road trip last week. So now they come to 56 points on the season with a 23-44-10 record. But Calgary really needed that win on Sunday, so kind of not surprised that the game played out the way it did, despite the Ducks having a good game, as the Flames are just behind Winnipeg right now for that second wildcard spot, really trying to fight for it, so every win is important, and that was something that they knew going into the game on Sunday. And it's going to be interesting because Winnipeg and Calgary will play each other on Wednesday this week, so that's tomorrow. That will be a really good game. But let's get to 80s takeaways now and start with Saturday's 6-0 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Just another explosive opponent offensively. We knew that heading into the game. We've seen them enough already this season to know that. They have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. They are a powerhouse. But it was a great start for Anaheim on Saturday. They played a full first period, only allowing one goal through their play and out shooting the Oilers, having 17 shots on goal in that first frame. Really good looks by the Ducks. But the team just couldn't keep up after that, and things seemed to fall apart, especially in the third period. One positive in this game, Trevor Zegris did return back to the Ducks lineup after he missed Thursday's game in Seattle. So that was great to see Z back in the lineup because he certainly makes a difference every time he's on the ice with the Ducks. Now on the goalie end, not such good news there. John Gibson left the game at 634 in the third period with a lower body injury. Obviously not good for the group. And we haven't seen him since that Saturday game. So we'll have to see if he's in the net on Wednesday once again. It was, though, on the other side, a big game for Leon Dreisaitl for the Oilers. He had his 50th goal of the season as a part of a hat-trick performance, and the win clinched their postseason spot for the fourth straight year. This was Dreisaitl's third 50-goal season in his career. And then also, one last thing to note on Edmonton, their goaltender Jack Campbell had his first shutout of the season and his 10th career one overall. 
Obviously not the best stat to name against the Ducks, but something I felt like I had to note as well. So let's move on to what was the better game on the weekend on Sunday against the Calgary Flames, a 5-4 loss. The Ducks looked good in this one, and they took a first-period lead. That was a big part of it. Both of the games on the weekend, they had great first periods. And with that success that the Ducks had in the first period, it changed the goaltender. Calgary head coach Daryl Sutter decided to take out Jacob Markstrom from the Nets and replaced him with Dan Vladar to begin the second period. Calgary did tie it up in that second period, but the Ducks then took the lead once again in that same frame. Frank Vitrano played really well in this game. He was aggressive in the zone, and it paid off with two goals for him and an assist for a three-point game. One of the best Ducks in this game, I felt like he was. And he's been playing on the top line the past two games with Trevor Zegras and Ryan Strom. Now, this has now tied his single-season career high in points at 39 right now. So if he gets another one, he will break that. Zegris also had an assist on Vetrano's first goal, and with that, he earned his 60th point on the season, and he became the first Duck with back-to-back 60-point seasons since Ryan Getzloff. Now, like I said, Anaheim just couldn't close out this game against a very desperate Calgary team. Flames' Michael Stone had the game winner under three minutes remaining. And then in the net for the Ducks, Lukas Dostal played the whole game and he stopped 36 of 41 shots. So that did it for the Ducks weekend slate. And the team did announce some news on Sunday as they signed right wing Judd Caulfield to a two year entry level contract. He will be joining the San Diego Gulls on an amateur tryout for the remainder of the season. Now, the 22-year-old just finished up his senior year at the University of North Dakota with 19 points and 39 games. He had 10 goals and 9 assists. And Caulfield was originally picked by the Pittsburgh Penguins in the fifth round, 145th overall in the 2019 draft. But the Ducks did acquire him from Pittsburgh on Friday. So now let's go coast to coast to hear goal calls from around the league over the weekend. A lot of games and a lot of things happening in the NHL right now in this very important time in the season. Saturday was actually the first day in NHL history with five shutouts and five hat tricks through the slate of games. Pretty impressive. And the Edmonton Oilers and Tampa Bay Lightning both clinched playoff spots. So let's start with the Florida Panthers and Columbus Blue Jackets game on Saturday because the Panthers are in a dire situation with their season right now. And they blanked the Blue Jackets in their quest for that wildcard spot 7-0 on Saturday in Columbus. And Carter Verhake had a standout game with four goals for four points. This was his second four-point game this season. And the final goal was his 40th of the year as he leads the Panthers right now, his first 40-goal season of his career. Now, the fourth goal that he scored in the game was at 11:18 in the third period when Alexander Barkov entered the zone on the play, dished it off to Anthony DeClaire, who found Verhege at the back door. Doug Plagans has the call of the goal. Barkov through the neutral show. Over to the right circle, Duclair in front of tap in. That's four for Carter Verhage. He scores, and the Panthers take a 6-0 lead. And that's 40 on the year for Carter Verhage. 
And then moving on to Sunday's slate, the Detroit Red Wings taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Detroit found a way to take down a playoff-bound Maple Leafs team 5-2 in Toronto. And Dylan Larkin netted his second career NHL hat trick as a part of the win. And it was off a turnover that Larkin put his first goal in the back of the net at the very end of the first period. He now has a career-high 76 points this season after the three-goal performance and a total of 31 goals this season. Now, the Red Wings are finishing the year with six more games, and they're towards the bottom of the Atlantic Division despite some early surges in their season. You can hear the call now from Ken Cal of 97.1 FM, The Ticket. Larkin now inside the Toronto zone, shoots the puck, he scores! A wrist shot by Dylan Larkin with 38.2 seconds to go in the opening period. Gives Detroit a 3-1 lead. And also on Sunday, the New York Rangers took a 5-2 win on the road at Capital One Arena over the Washington Capitals. And looking at the playoff picture, the Rangers are just three points back of the New Jersey Devils at this moment whereas the Capitals are out of the playoff picture this season. Alexi Lafreniere netted his 16th goal of the season in the first period, and MSG Radio Network has the call of the goal. Lafreniere with a bunch of moves and scores on the backhand. Oh, what a gorgeous play by Alexi Lafreniere, and the Rangers take a 2-0 lead. So after the weekend and Monday night, there are now 11 teams who have clinched a playoff spot, and the wild card is still up for grabs. And one other team that I didn't mention that clinched over the weekend, but they did on Sunday, was the LA Kings. And the Bruins became the fourth 60-win team in NHL history also on Sunday with their win over St. Louis. It's interesting because Boston now needs just three wins in their final five games to set a new single-season NHL record. Will they do it? I have a pretty good feeling they probably will. And one last piece to note with these clinching scenarios, as it's going to be important to look at as we get closer to the NHL draft. With the Kings clinching a spot, the Columbus Blue Jackets now have a first-round pick that comes from the trade where they sent Jonathan Quick to the Columbus Blue Jackets before he found his home in the Vegas Golden Knights. The Blue Jackets pick has now turned into a first-round pick. And this is just important to note as it's going to be a very impactful draft once we get there in June with a lot of quality players, which I'm sure you've heard plenty about. And to wrap up Coast to Coast today, we're going to talk a little college hockey because it is frozen four week in Tampa Bay. The semifinal round begins on Thursday with the Minnesota Golden Gophers taking on the Boston University Terriers at 2 p.m. Pacific time. And then Quinnipiac will take on Michigan at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Both of these games will be on ESPN2. And why is this important? Well, Ducks prospect Jackson Lacombe is a part of that Golden Gopher team trying to reach the final championship game. That will be held this Saturday on ESPN2 at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So fingers crossed for Lacombe and his team in Minnesota that they can get to the championship and take home the win. So circling back to Boston today, we're happy to welcome on Pete Blackburn to talk about the newest President's Trophy winning team and a whole lot of other NHL topics as we get down to the wire. Plus a couple of teams that he's confident in with their play in this final stretch. Take a listen. 
Joining Light the Lamp now is Pete Blackburn, who covers the NHL for Bally Sports. Pete, welcome back. It's been a while. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, baseball season's also back for you. How are you feeling about your Red Sox this year? I'm feeling pretty good so far. Like, I, I didn't have the highest of expectations. Basically, my only wish was that the team would be entertaining and, uh, you know, palatable because last year it was tough. They were bad and, like, almost unwatchable because they were so embarrassing. Uh, like, every every week, every two weeks, they'd find a way to make national highlights by being the most embarrassing team in the world. Uh, through the first handful of games, they have been very entertaining, uh, not very good. They give Their pitching is terrible, but they're scoring a ton of runs. They're giving up a ton of runs. It's a very high event team, and I, I, can, I can deal with that. Well, sticking with the Boston teams, we're going to start off the top with the Bruins, the new President's Trophy winners. Do you think that they're going to be able to win three games and get this NHL single-season record? I, I do. I, I look at, at their remaining schedule, and I, I think that they've got a pretty good opportunity to do it. Um, this is a team that, uh, for most of the season, like most of the second half, they were, you know, deflecting questions about whether or not this was in their sights. And, you know, they were just saying, you know, focusing on one game at a time and, uh, you know, just deflecting those questions. But over the last couple of weeks that, that has shifted a little bit and they are, they are acknowledging that it's something that they want. It's something that they're, they're, you know, they've talked about and they, you know, they know it's not the ultimate goal, but it is a very cool piece of history to chase. And mm-hmm. in over 100 years, how many teams have, have approached that number? So they recognize the, the position that they're in. And I think they're still prioritizing the playoffs. Like you're seeing guys rested here and there, but they're not shutting everybody down at the same time. And so that's a I think that signifies that they still want to win games. And I think the closer you get to the to the, to the finish line and the closer it is in your grasp, the harder you're going to play for it. And I, I think they can do it. What do you think about what their playoff picture is going to look like? And in terms of an actual chance for the Stanley cup this year, I mean, it, the playoffs are going to be a gauntlet, right? You mm-hmm. look at the Eastern conference and almost one to eight, you're looking at some really good teams, but especially in the top six, you can make the argument that like, you know, the top seven teams in the NHL, uh, six of them are from the Eastern conference. So something like that. So, uh, it's going to be a really, really hard road to get to the Stanley cup final, uh, out of the Eastern conference for anybody. Um, the Bruins, they got an, you know, an aging roster obviously, but it hasn't slowed them down throughout this point. Let's see, you know, if the grind of the playoffs kind of catches up to them, but their depth is unbelievable. They've got guys that they can, they can plug in and out. And so, they're in a really good position where they don't have a ton of weaknesses. They do have a ton of depth. They've got even they even have depth at goaltending. They've mm-hmm. got a one A and one B in net. So we've seen in the past where that's been really important for teams to have some goaltending insurance, and they've got it. So they've got all the boxes checked, and it's there's never a guarantee to make right. it to the Stanley Cup final, even if you're the best team in the league. We've seen you know the President's Trophy is considered a curse at this point. Right. So, um, you know. I feel really good about it, but I'm also, I, I recognize that it's not a guarantee. With that goalie tandem in Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, I mean, just phenomenal season, both of them. I'm, Linus likely going to be the Vesna Trophy winner this year. Mm-hmm. I know that load management is something that's talked about, especially at this point in the season and then going into, into the playoffs, but it seems like that they're going to be in a pretty good position that that might not be something of concern for the two of them. 
Yeah, I mean, they they I feel like they've sort of activated load management in the second half a little bit where mm-hmm. Swayman's getting, uh, you know, more more looks. And, and um, you know, it's it's been a split from from the beginning, you know, maybe like a two one split. But, you know, it's kind of become a one one split. And to Swayman's credit, he's been awesome in the second half, but really great. And I give both of those guys a lot of credit in how they've approached the the split from the second that they both arrived because if you're Jeremy Swayman you very easily could have been bent out of shape that like once Tuka Rask exited the picture that was his crease and they went out and got Linus Allmark and you could have been uh, a a bad sport about it you know and been uh, a little bit demoralized that you know you're still kind of splitting time and now Linus Allmark like you mentioned is probably going to win the Vezina and Jeremy Swayman has been awesome in Mm -hmm. terms of the way that he's approached it and not only been a good sport about being the one B or being the backup, however you want to classify it, but those guys are legitimately best friends off the Mm -hmm. ice. And I'm sure that makes it a little bit easier, but like to warm up to each other, the way that those two have has been awesome for the team and just awesome for the fans as well to watch that relationship with the goalie hugs after each win Mm -hmm. It's been the vibes have been off the charts all across the board. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to to Jeremy Swayman for for being uh, willing to do what's best for the team. Now, I know that you put out an article on Bally Sports this morning talking about your best team right now in the league and then also the other part of the spectrum, the worst team. And it's sort of ironic as the Ducks and the Oilers will be playing each other tomorrow for the last time this season. Obviously, Edmonton is a team that just doesn't seem like they can be stopped. Their speed is phenomenal. But, I mean, when you look at this Oilers team and their three stars that they've had all season with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins um, at the top of their points list, um, you know, what is it about this group that maybe it could be different for them this year from what we've seen in the past with the playoffs? Well, I I mean... First of all, you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl absolutely putting up unbelievable seasons, which is no shock, mm-hmm. right? But even by McDavid's own standards, he's been outrageous this season. And that's that's amazing. And and we now know coming off of last year's playoffs that he absolutely can be that dude in the playoffs. And he led the playoffs in scoring last year despite being eliminated in the third round. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you got to start with those two, obviously. But really what's made the difference this year has been the secondary pieces around them. You mentioned Nugent Hopkins. He's been, I think, like right now, he's the most underrated player in the league. He's got probably the quietest 100-point season that I can remember in, in a little bit. He's their most important player, most important forward defensively on a team that is can be exposed defensively. So his importance to that team is unbelievable. And he's never touched 40 goals, never touched a hundred points prior to this season. And he's approaching both those marks. And, you know, I see a lot of people discredit Ryan Nugent Hopkins because of the fact that a lot of his points come on the power play and the fact that he plays with McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and they call him a merchant because of those two things. But we've seen in the past that you can't plug in anybody next to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and expect them to succeed just because they're playing next to those guys. When you play next to those guys, you have to match the way that they, they, the speed that they play the game, the way, the speed of which they think the game and the responsibility to put yourself in the right place in the right time. And I think that you're seeing a lot of 
those pieces falling into place for the Oilers where they're actually getting guys who are able to do that. Talk about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, talk about Evander Kane, talk about Zach Hyman. All three of those guys have been incredibly important uh, to that team in being secondary ancillary pieces. I still have concerns about their back end. Uh, I, I don't think that they are responsible enough in their own end to, uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say that I, I don't think that they, they can do it, but I worry about their responsibility in their own end over the course of a seven game series, especially with a lack of goaltending. And I know mm -hmm. that Stuart Skinner has been, I would say that he's been good enough. Like mm -hmm. he's been pretty average. Um, and to this point, it has been good enough because it's been better than what they've been getting in years past, whether it's from, um, you know, Mike Smith, whether it's from Jack Campbell, um, they, they just need somebody who can be, who can make saves and be, you know, not hurt them. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to a deep playoff stretch, I think it is going to be really, really important for Stuart Skinner, assuming he's the guy to make the saves that he needs to make. And he doesn't need to be amazing but he needs to be good enough. And that's probably the two biggest questions that I have is whether their defense will hold steady and whether um, Stuart Skinner can make up for their lack of defensive deficiencies. On the other side with the Ducks, certainly their rebuilding year, a uh, lot of potential for the future with their prospects here in Anaheim. And then also the potential for what could happen this summer with the draft. We don't know, but we'll see uh, what, is your outlook on what the organization could look like as they continue through this rebuild? Yeah, it's an interesting case, right? Because uh, you know, I think I, we we talked about it the last time that I was on here. Whereas you know, last year I thought the Ducks were heading in the right direction. You started to see some of that young talent be called up and and have an impact. And there were points. I don't think they were a good team last year, but there were points where they were a fun team and mm -hmm. they were an entertaining team and a respectable team. And you're like, oh, okay, this team is is heading in the right direction. And obviously been a little bit a little bit of a reset this year in terms of, of what they've looked like and honestly it, it may end up being a blessing in disguise if they can get Connor Bedard out of it uh, like that is the the ultimate prize so mm -hmm. that's the, the biggest uh, most hype prospect since Connor McDavid so if Bedard ends up in in Anaheim and even if they get like Fantilli like there's there's a very good top of the draft this year so they're in a pretty good position to get a guy who is going to move the needle and push them forward and I, I do think that like next year they can be a be back on track to being a fun team that is heading in the right direction and possibly like having looking at an expedited rebuild. And, uh, you know, I, I, I recorded a thing yesterday about, uh, you know, the, the possibilities of where Bedard can end up. And I do think that Anaheim is probably the most enticing uh, landing spot, both from like a league perspective, I think that the league is much better and more uh, intriguing when you've got a battle of California, whether it's, you know, the Kings and Sharks, whether it's the Kings and Ducks, whether it's all three, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's a good, that's a good thing for the league. I think that the Ducks are approaching, um, you know, like a rebrand. And I think having uh, Connor Bedard in that mix to headline it would be amazing. And it's just, I think that he fits with their timeline of of that young talent and would make them an exciting team on day one. So I, I'm kind of sneakily rooting for that to happen. <laughs> Thanks. I think we are too here in so, a <laughs> yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> it certainly makes the season that you've been through uh, a lot more palatable and a lot more, okay, it was, it was for something. Mm -hmm. We, there, we, 
we put in our time and now here's the reward. Well, looking at the rest of the West right now, especially that wild card picture, I mean, Seattle seems to have locked up that first spot, but there's some competition between Winnipeg and Calgary. Uh, and I know that they're going to be playing each other this week as well, too. Who do you think is going to come out on top in the West? I think Winnipeg, I just think that Winnipeg is um, has shown me more from a larger sample size. And, you know, Calgary is just, as much as I believed in Calgary at the outset of the season. Like I, I, I picked them to win the Stanley cup last year. And I, I thought that they had a good chance to, you know, come, come into this season after a pretty tumultuous off season, which they had a lot of in and out. I thought they were still going to be a pretty good team, much better than the, what they've shown to this point in the year. Their inconsistency is worrisome to me. If they don't get the goaltending from, from Jacob Markstrom or whoever ends up in that for them, but, you know, I, I guess I trust Winnipeg and what they have both, you know, up front and on the back end and especially with Connor Hellebuck between the pipes. Like mm-hmm. you have Connor Hellebuck is one of the best goaltenders in the world. And that can even if you're a wild card team, that can make the difference in the first round and you can pull an upset. So uh I believe that Winnipeg is better suited for that that wild card spot. Whether they get it, who knows? But I, I I'm kind of rooting for them to get it because I think that they can make a little bit more noise than Calgary can. One last team I want to talk about, and it's one that I know you and I are both familiar with, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, They've been getting healthy at this point in the season and finding their groove, it seems like. Do you think that they will be legitimate come the postseason again? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, especially with a (laughs) wide open West, like Mm -hmm. the Western Conference right now is seemingly up for grabs. I think it's, uh, you know, Edmonton and Colorado and then everybody else. And I say Colorado. I know that Colorado has more or less treaded water for, for much of the season, but they were forced to because mm-hmm. they had so many injuries and they've kind of been dealt a, a, a tough hand. Uh, do I think that they're as good as they were last year? Probably not, but I'm not willing to rule it out either because very much in the vein of, of like a Tampa Bay lightning team over the past couple of years in, in the past, like you've seen the lightning kind of be flat during the regular season. And then when the playoffs roll around, they do have that ability to flick a switch when they need to, and they just become the the best version of themselves. And I, I really do think that the Colorado Avalanche can be very much like that, especially getting a Gabe Landeskog back with a healthy Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they are close to healthy, I think that team has it in them to say, all right, we, we made it through the regular season. Now it's go time. We defend our Stanley Cup title. And if they're all on the same page and they're all close to healthy, they're the team to beat in the Western Conference for me. Pete Blackburn, thank you so much for joining us today on DuckStream. Thank you very much for having me. And now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. I already mentioned it, but I'm going to say it again. Ducks versus Oilers Wednesday night at Honda Center, 7 p.m. puck drop. You can listen right here on DuckStream to Steve Carroll, Dan Wood, and Josh Brewster, who will have the call. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more hockey talk on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.